This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Fannie Lou Hamer rose from humble beginnings. The fearless Mississippi sharecropper later became one of the most passionate and powerful voices of the civil rights movement, leading the fight for voting rights, women's rights, and greater economic opportunities for African Americans. We are sick and tired of children suffering from malnutrition. People dying. The clothes two-thirds of the people have on here now is clothes was been sent to them. We are tired of that. But her story is still relatively unknown to many. A Chicago-based filmmaker wants to change that. Her new documentary features rare archival footage of the civil rights icon that tells her story in her own words. The film is called Fannie Lou Hamer's America, and it premieres tomorrow night on PBS. Joy Davenport is the director of the documentary, and she joins us now. Hi, Joy. Welcome to Reset. Uh, Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Also with us is Monica Land. She's the great niece of Fannie Lou Hamer and is also a producer of the film. Hi, Monica. Great to have you on. Thank you. Thank you for having me as well. Monica, what was it like for you working on a documentary about your great aunt? Um, it was it was interesting. It was exhilarating. It was exciting um, because once we really got into the research phase of looking for additional archive footage, archival footage, finding everything that we did, and I may add that we're still finding uh, materials. It's you know it's just so exciting to see the scope that she had. Um, and how far-reaching her influence was to see her on so many different programs being introduced by um, David Brinkley, um, David Frost, um, Tony Brown, and so many others, um, knowing that she was on the Phil Donahue show and Cub show. um, Mm -hmm. To see that is, is really gratifying. Well, I'm curious what you actually knew about her growing up. What were the stories that got passed down from the family? Well, actually, there were a lot of um, family stories, and that's what kind of um, actually piqued my interest to want to 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 do a film. Is that I had seen so many segments and documentaries about her with her colleagues, her peers, which were wonderful, but I'd never seen the personal side of her life, the family element explored, and that was something that I really wanted to do was to be able to bring that. Because again, as I said, the stories that I had heard growing up were family stories about when she went to visit my grandparents um, in Mississippi. That's where she lived. But mm-hmm. my maternal grandfather was her brother-in-law, and uh, she and her husband, my uncle Pap, would go and visit my grandparents, spend time with them, spend time with my great-grandfather, um, her father-in-law, and just hearing stories about her being in the kitchen with my grandmother and my aunts, laughing and talking. She loved to cook. She loved to eat. And she was hilariously funny. And so hearing those stories um, is, is what I was familiar with. I did not become involved um into uh, learning about her activism, actually, until I was a high school student at Curie. Um, Mm. I took a black history class there and um, really just wanted to start to investigate her influence. And that's Mm -hmm. when I did that. Well, let's talk more about her activism, Joy. Tell us about Fannie Lou Hamer's life and, and fight for civil rights and why it was important to tell her story now in this film. 
Well, her life and her fight for civil rights are emblematic of just about everything that we still fight for today. Um, she lived a very difficult life as a sharecropper. She was able to see just how skewed the structures of America were against people like her. And she made a determination at a young age to make a difference and to change that so that other people would not have to suffer like she did, like her mother did, like her grandmother did. And so for her, everything kind of came back to home. It came back to being in the Delta, being a sharecropper, wondering why they would have to struggle so much when the people that they were working for had so much more. And so it, everything with her kind of came back to Mississippi. So her upbringing, her, her midlife, her late life, all of that was tied up in the fight for human justice. Monica, what do you think your great aunt would have thought about these times that we're currently living in? Um, that's kind of a difficult question. I think that she would be excited um, to see so many um, black elected officials. I think she would be over the moon to know that we had um, a black president. But um, in line with what Joy said, I think she would be disappointed that 50 years after what she fought and sacrificed so much for, that people are still fighting for, the, for those exact same things today. Um, and so it's difficult to say. Um, you know, there has been progress, from, of course, from where she came from. But still, the same elements are there. And I think she'd be disappointed um, by that, that the struggle continues. One moment from the documentary that, that struck me was when she described what black power means to her. Here's a bit of her talking about that. Let's listen. We have been black powerless people for 400 years. I've seen people boxed in black children in Harlem of New York. I've seen people boxed in black people in Chicago, Illinois, in the slums, with the babies sick, rats eating on the babies. So what we mean by black power is we mean to have not only black political power, but black economic power, to have a voice in the educational system that our kids will know not only the black kids, but the white kids should know the kind of contribution that have been made by black people throughout this country. We won't determine some of our destiny. As a black woman living in America, Monica, what do her words mean to you? Um... No one likes being told what to do, and I'm I'm speaking that in terms of what Aunt Fannie Lou said. People, like she said, they want to have a choice. They want to have a say in things that involve them. And, um, you know, even just being told what to wear, what to eat, you know, where to go to school, um, you know, People, people want to be a part of those decisions, and I think when that's taken away from you, you know, that's when you have, of course, conflict. And so this actually goes back to why I wanted to do the film, for people 
to know the contributions that she made. And I see that all the time on our social media pages, especially our Facebook page. I post things about Aunt Fannie Lou, but I also post things about other black historical notables, quotes, and so forth. And a mm-hmm. lot of the comments were, I never knew that. Um, I just did something a, a little off um, key from this. Um, um, Dr. Martin Luther King, um, I did something where um, I, I mentioned that he was not born Martin Luther King. His name was Michael. His father's name was Michael. His name was Michael. And that that was changed because his father was so influenced by Martin uh, by Martin Luther. And we had so many comments that people said they didn't know that. And so being able to, you know, share these historical facts about her, things that people didn't know about her, um, I, that contributes to her legacy. And that makes me proud to not only to be related to her, a part of her family, to be a part in contributing um, that legacy of her as a black woman. And so um, I'm very yeah. happy to do that. Joy, the documentary uses rare archival footage, right, and photos and, and recordings to tell her story. How did you manage to get your hands on that? Oh, gosh, that took a whole team a decade to, to get our hands on that. Um, I and, it, and it came in stages. There was the initial stage of just trying to find what was out there and then to catalog it and transcribe it and then ultimately to pay for it and find out who owns it because so much of it was just um, out there, poorly documented, hidden, or not even documented at all. So what it took was everything. Um, It took just so much blood, sweat, and tears from our fantastic research team and from Monica just beating the bushes everywhere trying to find this stuff. And then when we got to GBH, we got their help clearing all the licensing, which was its own race (laughs) and that we've only just cleared. Oh, gosh, I can only imagine. Um, I wonder how your involvement in this project impacted you, Joy. Oh, it changed me completely. I am, I am, I'm transformed into an entirely different person by this project. Because to the quote that you played earlier, I think that as a white person, I was educationally and culturally and spiritually impoverished by not knowing about the contributions of Mrs. Fannie Lou Hamer and of the black people who have built this country. So by being immersed in it and trying to piece together her perspective from her own words and have to sit back and just listen, listen very closely, that has changed me from the inside out. I'm, I'm activated. I am on fire and I'm for, for the rest of my life will be a part of this movement. Monica, what can we learn from your great aunt's example about finding our own voice? Um, I think a lot. Um, Something that Joy um, spoke to earlier and, you know, even my own mother. My mother is originally from um, Mississippi, came to Chicago when she was 17 and spent, you know, the majority of her her life there. Um, Just that, you know, your, your reach does not have to be limited because of where you're from. I mean, look at where, you know, Aunt Fannie Lou came from, the Mississippi cotton fields, and look at what she did. She helped to change laws, you know, specifically the Voting Rights Act of 1965. Um, she helped to change the way, you know, this country is, is, you know, is run in certain instances. And so one of the takeaways that we really want for um, particularly minority students 
in the Mississippi Delta is not to be hindered by your background, your community, your neighborhood. And as if you're striving for something to go for it. You know, Aunt Fannie Lou was considered um, uneducated, so to speak, but um, there were instances where, you know, she was specifically asked to address certain people. Um, I can't remember the story entirely, but Andrew Young was supposed to address um, a certain group of people. Mm-hmm. And he went and got Aunt Fannie Lou and wanted her to come uh, with him. He knew that her voice was important. Um, and so, again, you know, don't be hindered by that. If there's something that you want to accomplish, and I can even speak to Joy and myself with that, yeah. you know, Joy and I really beat the bushes with this project for over 10 years, like she said, and look at where we are. It seems almost surreal that it's going to be on PBS tomorrow night and World Channel on Thursday. It is so powerful. Knowing what we went through to get here. I had the the benefit of watching it uh, just yesterday, and it's it's so good. We've been talking with Monica Land, the great niece of Fannie Lou Hamer, and Chicago-based filmmaker Joy Davenport. Their new documentary, Fannie Lou Hamer's America, it premieres tomorrow at 8 p.m. It's a special presentation from PBS and the World Channel, and it's part of the documentary series America Reframed. You can also stream it on worldchannel.org, the World YouTube channel, and on all station-branded PBS platforms. Monica and Joy, thank you so much. Want more context on the top issues of the day? Find the podcast, WBEZ's Reset, wherever you listen.